What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 203 of the Young Lions Perspective, the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday evening, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Yes. Money in the bank has come and gone finally, and we get to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was last night's WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And what you're hearing in the background is none other than a little scrappy. The one song I actually wanted to listen to as I was recording this because I think it fit this particular episode very, very well. Because one of my favorite songs that I used to listen to back, I was back in high school. Actually, I was a sophomore when this song came out. But um, yes, again, Money in the Bank has now officially come and gone. I'm going to turn this down here. Get that out of the way. So, Money in the Bank, let's talk about it. There was many people that said this was going to be the most, of course, unique money in the bank pay-per-view in the history of WWE. Given the fact that this would be the first time ever that we would be in a pandemic-filled pay-per-view. And uh, this would be the first time ever that money in the bank would take place at WWE's headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. Which is literally, I think, about a two-hour drive from actually where I live. Um, Wouldn't take much. Uh, to get over there if you wanted to. But suffice it to say that though some of what we got last night actually was a good thing. Overall, as a pay-per-view, this was honestly your average, regular, run-of-the-mill pay-per-view. I literally had the final grade in my head when this was over. Mind you, this is actually the first time, I think in a long time, we actually had a pay-per-view that was under three hours. If you're just talking about main card alone, add in the uh, pre-show, you literally had a show that was under four hours for the first time in what seems like forever. And I'm not shocked by it. I was actually shocked by the fact that, you know, that's the main event, which was the corporate ladder match, which had both matches go on simultaneously at the same time only went about 27 minutes. Whether that's good or bad, I'll leave that up to you. But to me personally, and y'all know I try to keep it as 100 as possible and keep it authentic with you guys, this was, again, like I said, just your average, regular, B-level, run-of-the-mill pay-per-view that did, I guess, some of what it needed to do And the rest of the time really just made me bored. But before we get into the fun stuff, um, man, 
we got to talk about the good because there was some good that came out of this pay-per-view last night. First and foremost, I want to start off by saying I hope Jeff Hardy um, all went well for him in his court case that he was supposed to have today. I believe he was supposed to have it in North Carolina. Hopefully all went well. I haven't really heard any reports about that. And when we do, um, we may talk about it either tomorrow or somewhere down the line, maybe next week for news of the weekend. I'm not exactly sure. Um, But Jeff Hardy and Cesaro to kick off the festivities for last night was actually a much better match than I actually anticipated. Given the fact that I know we all know Hardy and uh, Sheamus had a little bit of a run in prior to um, the pay-per-view on Friday, we then found out Jeff Hardy was going to be in a match, just not against Sheamus. He went actually one-on-one against Cesaro, which was a surprise to many, including myself. Um, Again, like I told you guys on Friday, any match that was going to be announced after I had recorded my Money in the Bank preview and predictions was not going to be counted towards the win total um, in terms of that. Now, if I if I actually go look by my record, and I'm going to look at the matches that we had, because I don't count pre-show matches at all whatsoever, we actually had a good night. We actually went 4-2 and two on our picks, and I include uh, the Mr. and Ms. Money in the Bank as two separate matches, given that the, both matches were taking place at the same time in the headquarters. Um you know, we got the tag title match right. Um, the women's championship correct. We got the universal championship correct. And we got the WWE world championship correct. All was good until we got to the corporate ladder match. Now, we'll get to that when we get there. But let's go back to the, uh, Hardy Cesaro for a moment. Um, this was actually one of the better matches of the night. Surprisingly. And I don't usually say that about kickoff show matches. I don't usually say that about pre-show matches at all. I was more surprised at the fact that this was the only match that was on the pre-show, given the fact that our MVP versus our truth was supposed to take place on the kickoff show. But I guess due to time constraints and all that stuff, that was not meant to be. Nor did I even care about the damn match anyway, because it really didn't have a story to fall back on. I had nothing to go about backstory. It was just a match that they just brought up at the last moment, and it was just two guys that honestly were from yesteryear. By yesteryear, I mean just uh, about a decade or so ago. Um, And it was one of those matches where I was just like, okay, whatever, don't care. But again, Hardy Cesaro was a very, very solid match. They had great chemistry throughout the entirety of this, and I think a guy like Cesaro, who... Me personally, should should have been at least a multiple-time world champion already. Unfortunately, was on the pre-show. But he was the right call and the right guy to go up with Hardy and face him in a match. This was a very good match. And I'm going to tell you all right now, this is definitely in my top three of last night. This was, I mean, given the rest of the card, not saying much, but... This was the kind of match I would have loved to see. And I even said this on my Twitter that this, if this could have been the type of title feud, I would have loved to see a couple of years ago 
whether it be for a, more likely it was going to be for a mid card title for the United States or the Intercontinental Championship. But this was the type of match that I would have loved to see be a title feud many moon a few years ago. I'm dead serious about that. Um, they really had a fun match. I was thoroughly invested in it, and I was very impressed by the fact that you know Cesaro did what he needed to do. Now we do know, like I said, we didn't like I said a little bit earlier. Jeff Hardy had a court date today, which is why they went off first. So it made sense for Hardy to take care of his business, handle what he needed to handle, get out, you know, take care of the business, get out of Dodge, get on a plane to North Carolina and take care of business. At, and I believe it was North Carolina and take care of business with uh, his legal stuff. So that was a that why this is why the biggest reason why it was so it was a good because they got the match out of the way early. They didn't went in so late. They wanted to make sure he got to his court date on in a timely manner. Again, really good match. Very impressed, and I know in defeat for Cesaro, he still looks strong in defeat, and that's a good thing, I guess, that we got that. I was thoroughly pleased with this matchup, and the fact that it's going to be a top three match of the night, um, again, like I said, doesn't really say much, but at least for Hardy and Cesaro, they can at least um, pat themselves in the back and know that they really had a well-thought-out matchup. A really well done matchup. Hardy gets the victory, which good for Hardy. Um, I was actually surprised that he got the victory, um, but I understand. And uh, no, no Sheamus interference at all. Nothing like that of the sort. I guess they wanted to wait until Friday to kick off the feud a little bit further, which is also a good because we don't know what's going on with Hardy yet. So once we find out the news of what happened with the court case, from there we will go. Um, I'm not really going to go into news about that. I could go check that out real quick for you guys. Cause in the interest of yours truly let's see here, see if there's, I want to see if there's any news that came out of this. Let's see if I can put this up here. Do, 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 do. Don't want to see any images. Don't need to see that. There you go. Jeff Hardy Court. Uh, go to all real quick. Uh, do, 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 do. So I don't think we're seeing anything as of late. So. So nothing has come up as of late anyway. So nothing or nothing to worry about as of yet. Like I said, if any news comes up, I will let you guys know as soon as I possibly can. I'll probably put it on my Instagram, my Twitter, or something like that. Um, but yeah, good match. Good to see Hardy get the victory over Cesaro. Cesaro looking strong in the defeat. That's always a win in and of itself. The McIntyre-Rollins match. I have to say, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now. This was undoubtedly the match of the night from last night. I'm just going to throw it out there. They are going to get my award for match of the night from Money in the Bank. Who who will get the MVP 
Um, we'll talk about that when we get to that. Because there, uh, I will tell you guys right now, there is no ugly today. I mean, you could say Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio getting thrown off of the uh, building. You could say that was ugly. But to me, we kind of knew that there was going to be a spot because they had speculated on uh, speculations of the news of someone going to have to take a spot throwing off the building. Um, now, I was surprised that Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio were the ones thrown off the building by douchebag, everyone's favorite, uh, Applebee's general manager, Mr. Corbin. Um, but that was to be expected. We knew kind of had a, kind of had an idea that Corbin was going to be the one to throw someone off the building. We just didn't know who it was, and it was Mysterio and Black. So, uh, kayfabe, rest in peace to um, Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black, unfortunately. We'll see what happens with that when we get to that point. But Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins easily had the match of the night, without question. They they absolutely killed it. This was a proper WWE Championship match. This is probably one of the better WWE Championship matches in recent memory that I've seen personally. I was very, very, very happy with how everything went down. It was just, it was, it was just well done. It was just so well done. I was very happy with the result. Of course, Drew McIntyre retaining the WWE Championship. Spoiler word, spoiler alert for anyone who actually is listening to this and haven't watched the match yet. First and foremost, why? Second of all, that's your fault. But this was really, this was a really fucking well done matchup. You know, this is a lot of back and forth. Uh, Rollins even had the Falcon Arrow, the Superplex Falcon Arrow spot on Drew. That was great. Uh, McIntyre showing his agility with. Um, let me see if I could see if I could pull it up. Because I know he had a, uh, I think he had a, a spine buster into a roll up, which was really really agile for a guy his size. Uh, this was that was really good. They really, it was a hard hitting matchup. Like I said, a lot of back and forth, a lot of. You know, beating the hell, they beat the hell out of each other in this matchup. This was just the kind of match. This was the kind of match I needed to see from McIntyre and Rollins. I really did, and this shows that maybe, just maybe, you know, they're gonna give some run for McIntyre uh, at least over the summer of 2020, as we now begin the road towards SummerSlam. Now knowing that, unfortunately, Boston's mayor. Um, pretty much as a uh, shut 86 all events, um, including festivals and any uh, event with large crowds. SummerSlam, Bo- SummerSlam in Boston, which means takeover in Boston, is pretty much null and void. So we don't know what we're going to do. Now, I saw a speculation report, a rumor about maybe Hulk Hogan using his private beach setup to use it for re- uh, SummerSlam. I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. But hopefully we do have an event somewhere in the United States that is um that is you know feasible for that maybe Oklahoma City Oklahoma the mayor uh, i believe the governor of Oklahoma said he wants to take he wants to bring in um wrestling events he wants to hold it in Oklahoma maybe Florida who knows um but i was very thoroughly happy with how this match came about you know Again, maybe, you know, the, the the lead up to it was kind of iffy. But there was no way you could mean to tell me that this wasn't undoubtedly match of the night. The ending was dope, too. Um, after a German suplex, uh, Rollins flowers to the other end. Uh, super kick. He hits a curb stop. Somehow gets a cover, gets the two count out of that. Rollins couldn't believe his shit. Um, I believe uh, McIntyre went for the Claymore. 
Stop the Claymore. Couldn't finish it. Um, goes for the curb stop. Misses that. Glasgow kiss. The headbutt. Super kick by Rollins. Off the ropes. That Claymore. One, two, three. Very, very, it was a, I thought the ending was dope. I thought it was a really dope ending. Uh, you know, that's that quick back and forth. Curb stop to Glasgow kiss the super kick to Claymore. And it was enough for him to beat Rollins. What surprised me the most is after the match, McIntyre extended his hand. And surprisingly to me, Rollins shook his hand. You know, congratulations. Hey, maybe it wasn't your night, but dude, that was a damn good match. It was a, it was a, they, they really fought for this championship. And again, I am thoroughly, thoroughly pleased by this. I, we all knew at least a month before this match was supposed to take place that A, McIntyre was going to win the WWE Championship, and B, Rollins was going to be his first opponent to be survive for the WWE Championship. So we already speculated that going in. I didn't think they were going to have the type of match that they did. I thought it was going to be, it wasn't going to be a squash or anything like that, but they put on the kind of match that was honestly worthy of a WWE championship match. Future shocks, you know, Pele kicks, sling blades. You know, early on in the beginning, um, how, you know, and, and, and credit Samoa Joe for this too. Samoa Joe killed it on this match. He nailed it. I even said it on Twitter. This, he really, I mean, given the fact that he does wrestle, and I don't know what's going on with the situation. I think he's still injured. Um, he added such a different angle to the matchup that Phillips and Saxon just couldn't do. Um, and he added so much insight into it. You know, that's the that's the kind of commentary that me personally I need. I'm a details guy. I love the fine details. And you know, early on, even Samoa Joe was saying, you know, he's really trying to get in his head. He wants to get in Rollins' head early on, trying to make him doubt himself. Stuff like that is something that can't be ignored. And for my money personally, you know, me paying my $9.99 a month to the WWE Network, Samoa Joe really drove it home in this match. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for getting this match as over as it did. I think a lot of people were very, very happy about this match. I am personally happy about this matchup. But it's something it's something like a Samoa Joe on commentary that really drives the point home about what he sees and what type of, you know, insight he can bring to it. He knows the ring inside and out just as well as McIntyre and Rollins do. You know what I mean? It's that that really shows that, you know, they have something in in Samoa. I said this when Samoa Joe finishes his career, I think he'd be grand on commentary. Whether it be in an NXT on Raw or on on SmackDown, but I think he'll be he would be well suited to stay on commentary on Raw. Again, again, this is easily my match of the night. Not even gonna not even gonna wake y'all wait until the end to see what's match of the night. Hands down. Definitely had it has so much it has a ton of replay value. I could watch this match again and again. And just try to pick out finer and just find extra details. You know, the smack talk by McIntyre in the early matchup, Rollins coming back into it. This was a this was my kind of match. It's not Volter Tyler Bate. Feel me? It ain't Okada Omega by any means, but it, it's the kind of match that 
I thoroughly enjoyed and something I actually put my phone down and just watched. And that is the kind of match that I like, is that I can just really not worry about my phone for for at least like 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes and just watch greatness happen. Because when you see a match like Rollins-McIntyre, trust me, greatness happened last night. And those two honestly created magic. And finally, because there wasn't, to be like I said, to be truthfully honest, there wasn't much good that came out of this. And that's why it's going to be so quick. Um, let's talk about the Money in the Bank match real quick. Now, me personally, as a person who loves the Money in the Bank match, I love the match itself, hate that it's a pay-per-view. I've never been a fan of gimmick pay-per-views, Hell in a Cell, um, you know, Hell in a Cell and Money in the Bank pay-per-views should just not be pay-per-views. Hell in a Cell is a match that is something that is built up to over time that breeds hatred between two separate people or two teams. If you're talking about New Day and Usos, which was one of my personal favorite all-time matches in general when it comes to Hell in a Cell because that match is fucking fire. Go back and watch that from a couple years ago. That match was fire. Absolute fire. There is one particular spot in the matchup that I thoroughly could not, cannot, and still not could get out of my head. And this actually was between Styles and Brian. Daniel, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Um, let me see if I can. This one's, like I said, it was a lot to take in. So. Let me see here. If I could find it. Because, like I said, this is one of my favorite parts of the match. If not the favorite part. There's a, there's a lot of good spots in this matchup. Um, the Styles callback to WrestleMania when he faced The Undertaker. And Aleister Black um, roundhouse kicking him into the room. Thinking that The Undertaker's in there. Um, the spot where uh, Styles got um, put underneath the... Uh, What was it? The um, taking the bar and setting it down on Styles, getting Rey Mysterio to ask for uh, asking him for help, and he says that's loco. And Rey Mysterio going about his business, brother love. That was hilarious. Um, I was dead with that. I was just laughing. I'm like, what the hell is brother love? Get Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard, get your ass out of here. Um, didn't like the John Laurinaitis spot, but I love Otis smacking him upside the head with a pie. That was fucking hilarious. Because fuck John Laurinaitis. With his people power bullshit. Um, the spot where Dana Brooke thought she won Money in the Bank, and Stephanie McMahon telling her, uh, "This is the Money in the Bank conference room. You didn't actually win Money in the Bank, you idiot." Um, and then she got destroyed with a um, with a post with a big old poster, which I thought was hilarious. Um, let me see. Um, the Paul Heyman spot, that was fucking, oh my God. You know, you know, Paul Heyman's just having a feast. About the, about the, I saw that spread. I'm like, man, get your grub on, bro. Get your grub on, man. I, I ain't mad at you for that. Get your grub on, my guy. And then all of a sudden, everyone shows up. And Dana bumps into Otis, starts a food fight. Um, And uh, let me see, Heyman gets hit with a macaroni platter. 
Food starts flying. Shayna put Mysterio in the Kirifuda clutch. I was fucking ho- just laughing my ass off. Then ended up in a, in a sandwich in between Nia and Otis. It looked like it was going to be a, 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 a deal going on with those two, but they just kept going about their business. Um, you know, we see Mela actually got caught by Nia through a table, which actually was a good spot. Surprisingly, I know. But the spot of the match, personally, that really made me just laugh my ass off was when Brian and Alistair were in the hallway. Uh, Alistair whipped Brian into a wall. Styles turns returns to rock Brian. They start throwing hands on Styles. Styles throws him into a desk, throws Styles through a doorway, and Styles flounders up. They keep brawling. Then they look up, and of course, it was none other then Mr. McMahon, they stop fighting and they just look at him like, oh, like pretty much like when you like say like we were a kid and you broke something of from one of your parents and you knew that and your mom came, or dad came in the room and you were just like, uh oh, and all you heard was Vince McMahon was like, get out, out. Uh, they start blaming each other, but before they leave, they make sure, you know, the set, they set the chairs back to where they were. Um, you know, they leave. Either they said everything back, make it look nice and proper. They leave. They shut the door. Vince actually sanitizes his hands with some hand sanitizer, which was fucking hilarious. Then goes back to whatever he was doing. Styles telling Brian, "Man, you're a wimp." Then Brian was the one who pointed out, "Well, you're the one that said to put the chairs back." So then, after that, they start throwing hands again. That to me alone made that match. That spot alone. Because I had a feeling Vince McMahon was going to be involved in the matchup. Of course, it's his match. Of course, it's his his headquarters. So why wouldn't he be involved in, in the uh, filming of this matchup? Now, we already knew that this was pre-taped. So whatever happens, happens. Now, in the end, we got Asuka actually knocking off Corbin to... And then retrieving the briefcase. So now she is now Ms. Money in the Bank, which I think, honestly, um, now, of course, y'all know I had picked Sasha Banks to win, but that kind of got foiled when we had Sasha with Bailey. And goddamn that outfit. I am just a man. I am merely just a man. But if you did not see Sasha Banks' outfit, bless. Mikazi. Boy, Woo. God help you, son. I don't know how you handle that. My God. Um, so that kind of fooled my plans for a possible Banks victory, screwing over one of the competitors in the matchup and retrieving the briefcase for herself, thus creating the Sasha Banks-Bailey feud that I kind of really wanted. But Asuka is Miss Money in the Bank. Now, on the men's side, was a surprise. And, ladies and gentlemen, of all motherfucking people, Otis, one half of Heavy Machinery, is now Mr. Money in the Bank. Now, I it's a good in this aspect because it's someone different. I know a lot of people were probably speculating it was going to be Corbin, and I said anyone but Corbin. 
and I was like, I, I pretty much put it on Twitter to the effect of anyone but Nia Jax and anyone but Baron Corbin. We got anyone but Nia Jax and anyone but Baron Corbin. Perfectly, that alone makes my night because neither of them deserve to be money in the bank at all. Neither. The way it ended, though, was kind of interesting. Um, so after Black and Mysterio were thrown off the roof, um, of course, they actually didn't fall off the roof. They just fell onto probably a second secondary tower that is part of uh, WWE headquarters, which is probably like 10 to 15 feet down below, onto some beautiful uh, mats or something like that. They're just going to be out for a while, K-Fib. Um, Styles sets the ladder up. Brian goes on the pursuit. Corbin brings Brian down, and Otis goes after Styles. Styles reaches for the briefcase. Bo- uh, Corbin posts Brian. St- Otis gets Styles down. Styles hits the Pele on Otis. He runs, but he's put on the apron. He forearms Otis away, goes for the springboard, hits the phenomenal forearm, knocking Otis down. Goes back to the ladder, up the ladder again he goes. Corbin goes up the other end, and I'm thinking, please, God, do not let Corbin grab this case. He stops Styles from grabbing the briefcase. Back and forth between Styles and Corbin. They grab at the briefcase. Styles takes it off the clip. They both have it in hand. Now, there cannot be a co-Money in the Bank winner. At the last second, Elias comes out of nowhere, smashes Corbin with his guitar, preventing him from being Mr. Money in the Bank. It looked like Styles was going to be Mr. Money in the Bank, which I personally would have been cool with regardless. Um, but some, for some fucking reason, Styles fumbles it. Otis catches it. And that allowed Otis to become Mr. Money in the Bank. Now, that part is good. When we come back from the break, though, I'm going to explain to you why this is bad. And I'll probably start off with that. Now, there's a lot of bad that came out of this. It's unfortunate for um, Otis because, unfortunately, and I'm just going to tease it now, We may, this may be the first time since 2017 we have a failed Money in the Bank cash-in. I'll explain that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back with episode 203 of the YLP podcast, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was Money in the Bank 2020 from WWE last night's pay-per-view. Now that we got past the good, and like I said, there was some good that came out of this. A lot of a lot of good, some good things. But there was a lot of bad. There was a good amount of bad that came out of this as well, and like I said in the last segment, I'm gonna start off with Otis. We start off from where we ended. As much as I'm sure a lot of people predicted Otis to win, and I, I, I personally, in my mind, thought Otis is the last person I would want to see hold money in the bank. 
the biggest reason I did not want to see Otis win Money in the Bank because because of this one thing. This is going to be the first time since 2017 we are going to have a failed cash-in. As much as I hate to say it, Otis is not going to get this cash-in. He is not going to become WWE Champion. Or should I say Universal Champion if he cashes in on Braun Strowman. It's not going to happen. It's unfortunate, but it's not going to happen, which then makes the case for why I believed Aleister Black should have been the one to take it. Like I said, as long as it was it was Cor Corbin didn't win it, I was perfectly fine. But yes, it is someone different and albeit very fucking different. Um, super out of left field, but we do know Vince McMahon is a bit high on Otis, hence why he gave him the Money in the Bank briefcase. I would have loved for it to give, be given to Aleister Black because I think after the hard work he has had so far in 2020, he deserved to have that briefcase and be able to cash in on um, Drew McIntyre at some point in, in the remainder of 2020 or 2021 whenever they, he decided to actually do the cash in. Give me one moment to get a sip of sparkling flavored water. Kirkland Signature for sparkling flavored water. Water. Black raspberry. Quite a unique taste. Shameless plug, of course sponsor me but here's why um, I'm putting this in the bad category again there is no possible way that Otis is going to become WWE champion it's unfortunate but it's not going to happen um, because there's going to be three people we're going to be looking at that are more than likely going to screw over Otis and interfere in his cash-in those three names the obvious one Dolph Ziggler the possible somewhat obvious but kind of not the one I want to see would be Tucker and what would be the biggest wild card of the three Mandy Rose now in my mind the second Otis won the first thought I had the first initial thought I had was there is no way Otis is going to become the Universal Champion. He is going to get screwed over somehow, some way. Dolph Ziggler would be the most obvious choice because he and Otis had beef. Um, going back all the way to at least Elimination Chamber. Um, going back to Valentine's Day, of course, with the whole... You know what I'm talking about. You already know what it is. I ain't got to tell you. I ain't got to spell it out for you unless you want me to. No, we're not going to do that. Um... Like I said, Ziggler would be the most obvious. He could screw over Otis as another reason to continue the feud between he and Otis. I would add Sonya Deville in there as a fourth, and that would kind of be an obvious one as well since her now and Mandy Rose have beef, and I know their feud's continuing on as well. I'm sure this will be leading to a inevitable Rose-Otis DeVille Ziggler mixed tag match at some point. Probably going to be going on somewhere between June and July, um, which would be quite obvious. So it would make sense for either Ziggler. It would be the most obvious choice to be have Ziggler and or and or DeVille screw over Otis as an attempt to become Universal Champion. That would be the obvious. Tucker would be the somewhat obvious, but the one I wouldn't want to see the most. Given the fact that Heavy Machinery, before 
this whole pandemic went down going back to elimination chamber they were the the they were literally the most over tag team in all of wwe street privates weren't street profits weren't that over the war raiders weren't over aop is in a f- unfortunate uh injury dire sh- injury dire straits dire straits i can't speak today and like I said, that would be that would be the that would be the one that would hurt us the most because that would mean the breakup of heavy machinery. Now, the way I saw it, I would have thought that heavy machinery would have won the SmackDown Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania, and that would have been the end of Ziggler and Rude, Otis pinning Ziggler, getting his comeuppance, and in the end, getting the girl. You do the same thing with Deville and Rose. I would have been perfectly fine with that. Cool. Congratulations. But if Tucker was the one to interfere due to the fact that he is he feels slighted, like he's someone on the back burner due to the fact that Otis is getting the spotlight. He's now Mr. Money in the Bank. He's got Mandy Rose, the girl, all that stuff. And now Tucker feels some type of way about it. Otis cashes in. Tucker screws him over as the way to say, I wanted to do this with you. Now, I saw on social media that maybe people, maybe they would have wanted to do a tag team cash in. But here's the thing. If there was supposed to be such thing as a tag team cash-in, there would have been a tag team match for Money in the Bank. Now, that would be one hell of a clusterfuck that I would not want to watch, but it intrigues me just a little bit just to see the car crash. Sometimes you can't look away from a car crash. It bees with the bees. If you've seen a Demolition Derby on television, you've seen them all. If you played Twisted Metal, and now I'm kind of dating myself at the moment. If you played Twisted Metal, you know exactly what type of car crash I'd be talking about. But I don't think a tag team cash-in would take place. It is a singles cash-in and going for the top championship on either Raw or SmackDown. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the winner, depending on which brand you're on, the winner of Money in the Bank would go would vie for said brand's top championship, which means he would be going after Braun Strowman. Um, now, here's where we, here's where I think maybe Tucker wouldn't be the one to do it. Given the fact that Strowman and Wyatt do still have beef, and I don't think this is over at all, um, and I'll get and I'll get to that portion of the program in just a moment. Tucker, to me, if he's the one to screw over Otis again, would mean the end of Heavy Machinery. That would be a major failure for not only Otis and Tucker, but for the tag team division as well. Now, maybe Tucker helps Otis out. Maybe, you know, we have the triumvirate of Rose, Tucker, and Otis. That would be, I think, would be a better better set in motion than seeing, you know, Tucker screw over Otis. I would rather see Heavy Machinery still be a, a thing with Mandy Rose there by them side. Uh, Tucker finally starts to gain trust in Mandy Rose, seeing that she does have Otis's best interest at heart. And, you know, they become a a super triumvirate and they, you know, start gunning for championships. Mandy Rose gunning for the SmackDown SmackDown Women's Championship and Otis and Tucker somewhere down the line gunning for the SmackDown tag titles. That would be a lovely fitting ending to the three of them. That I would actually personally love. Please let it happen. I please God let it happen. The wild card would be Mandy Rose. Now, the reason I say it's the wild card because I think it's the least likely thing, one of the, one of the, it's like Tucker. It's something I wouldn't want to see happen because I know for a fact that, you know, 
the villain Rose are no longer no longer Kusku, and um, her and Deville are now enemies. So maybe, and and the reason I thought about it in my head quickly was that maybe Mandy Rose just you know wanted to use him for popularity since now her boo thing, Shalaka boo bang, standing by her side like her boo thing, is now Mister Money in the Bank. Um, that would get any girl all types of happy in the schwa schwa area in the, in the no, no square as they, as you SJW plebs over in uh, Europe, call it that, that I thought was hilarious, but I'm going to trigger some people off of that line and y'all can kiss my ass. I really don't care. Um, no, don't touch me there. This is my no, no square. I'm going to hell for that. Um, yes, that's the thing. And you can find it on TikTok. Fuck TikTok, by the way. Just going to put that out there. Um, Mandy Rose, again, would be the least, I say right now, the least likely of the three possibilities for it to happen. I think the most likely would be Ziggler and DeVille screwing over Otis. Rose and Otis versus Ziggler and DeVille is inevitable and should happen. And finally, we get we end the feud between that. Hopefully, Otis and Mandy do get their comeuppance. And then finally, they can go their separate ways. Maybe DeVille screws over Ziggler, nut shot in the uh-oh spot, and then, um, you know, Ziggler gets screwed over. Me laugh, I laugh my ass off, and everyone goes home happy, smiling, and uh, doing the Macarena. But don't ask. Um, but those are the three likely possibilities. Now, like I said, two out of three would make no sense. For it to happen, but I can understand it if they if Rose did it because then she was just using Otis to get into a better position on the roster. You know, it bees what it bees. You know, that is kind of how sometimes society works. Sometimes guys get used for shit. It goes it goes both ways, don't get me wrong. But more so I would I could see it. I don't think it'll happen, but don't now I'm just putting it out. I'm just putting the juju into the air. So if it doesn't happen, don't come to me and be like, you're gay when you're gay. No, 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 no. I said it was a possibility. The least likely of the three, but a slight uh, possibility nonetheless. But the most likely one will be DeVille and or Ziggler screwing over Otis, leading to a mixed tag team match between the two, possibly at Backlash or at July's pay-per-view, whatever the fuck they're going to call it. Just don't call it Battleground. Please don't call it Battleground because then you're going to make me say curse words. I'm trying my best not to say curse words today. I probably said a few, but I can't remember. Um, I guess we're going for family-friendly fucking content. I don't know. Damn it. I said a curse word. Uh, Whatever. What the hell? Um, So those are the three likely possibilities, but but just know this. Otis is not going to be cashing in and succeeding in his cash-in. He is going to get screwed over, and he is going to lose the WWE Championship match against Strowman for the first time since 2017 we are going to get a failed cash in it's obvious it is about as obvious as what one plus one is and it doesn't equal unicorn there you go Shayna Baszler is one is a bad as well now I remember from checking out JD from MI206's uh, tweets. Now, like I said, I know a lot of people are not very fond of Mr. Uh, JD from NY206, but I personally believe he is a kick-ass YouTuber who tells it like it is, kind of like I do. 
um, has a style that I really dig and just doesn't give a shit. And neither do I. He was basically talking about Shayna Baszler. Now, in the eyes of Vince McMahon, it's pretty much um, dead to rights. She's dead to rights. It's unfortunate. It's quite unfortunate because you and I knew that Shayna Baszler had so much promise when she came up to the main roster. It was inevitable that it was going to be, she was going to come up to the main roster after she lost the NXT Women's Championship to Rhea Ripley back in December of last year. We knew it was only not a matter of if, but when. Um, We got her on the roster. She immediately went after Becky Lynch, had her chance to win the Royal Rumble, was supposed to, was slated to win the Royal Rumble until day of Vince McMahon changed his mind, picked, booked Charlotte to win that strike one. Strike two happened when she became the number one contender for the uh, WWE, the Raw Women's Championship after destroying everybody and their grandmother in the Elimination Chamber and um, getting her shot against Becky. Then going on to WrestleMania and not winning the Raw Women's Championship. That was strike two. This was Baszler's last chance to win money and to actually get the Raw Women's Championship by any means necessary. She didn't even come close to winning money in the bank. Not even close. She wasn't even the final part of the decision. I believe the last three part, partially in that matchup was Asuka, Nia Jax, Lacey Evans. Baszler was nowhere near the, you know, the ladder. She was probably like two floors down. And Baszler lost. And Asuka is Ms. Money in the bank. Strike three. She's done. In a span of five, less than five months. Actually, we'll go with five. We'll go with four months on this one. In a span of four months. Or should we, we'll just go back to December. In a span of December, March, April, May. It's been a six months. Shayna Baszler went from one of the greatest NXT women's champions of all time. The first ever two-time winner, two-time NXT women's champion. One of the one of the longest championship reigns in NXT women's championship history which no one is touching Oscars. That was over 600 days. But she went from that to officially an afterthought. She's done. I'm not going to say buried because buried is a very, very harsh word that we speak in professional wrestling podcasting, but she's done in a span of six months. She is done. Actually, yeah, we'll go with five and a half just to be just to be generous. She's done. Baszler can is not going to be able to come back from this. And I, and I think Vince McMahon kind of wanted it that way. Vince, we are reports of Vince McMahon not being high on her at all, that he was he was giving up already on Sheena Baszler early. And this last night proved it. 
she's done. And it kind of sickens me that Baszler never really got the chance to be a top star on the main roster. She should have won the Royal Rumble in January. She should have went on to win the Raw Women's Championship last month. And she should be having to look over her shoulder for a crazed lady in Asuka. And to me personally, Baszler Asuka could have been one of the best women's championship feuds in recent memory. Baszler Asuka was one of the matches I really wanted to see upon her arrival to the main roster. Baszler got played. Baszler is done. Whatever you're going to be looking, whatever speculations you got, oh, she's not Ronda or all this shit, save it. Baszler's done. And that's bad. This further discredits your women's division as a whole. It really does. Because you needed a star in Baszler to help build your women's division. You knew somewhere down the line Lynch was going to be the Lynch was going to lose that championship. Now that we know she's going to be doing movie very very soon whenever coronavirus be damned ends or at least starts to slow down that you needed a a name like a Baszler, a killer like a Shayna Baszler to be the queen of the Raw Women's Division. Because Charlotte wasn't going to do it. Because Charlotte now is in NXT as the Women's Champion. You have Bailey over in SmackDown. Holding down the Women's Championship. You needed Baszler to be Raw Women's Champion. You needed this. And again, Baszler, Asuka, probably would have been, like I said, one of the best Women's Championship feuds in recent memory. Unfortunately, now we don't get that. We're going to get Becky Lynch, Asuka. Becky's going to have to look over her shoulder at Asuka at every given turn until Asuka eventually defeats Lynch for the championship. Now, could they still do Baszler, Asuka in 2020? Absolutely. But instead of it being a what I could consider an honorable mention of the year, it went from honorable mention of the year to now Baszler's just going to lose if they ever, if they decide to ever do that match between Asuka and Baszler. She's done. She's done. I hate to say it. I hate to say those words out loud into the, into the juju sphere, but she's done. There's nothing that can, there's nothing that can be said. There's nothing that can be done to try to correct what has been undone. In five months' time. From December, from the middle of December until now, you can't undo that. You can't undo this. It's over for for Baszler. Somewhere deep down inside, Triple H is dying inside. His soul, a piece of his soul has been crushed. Because in the back of his mind, he's thinking, man, another one of my talents I we brought up and my father-in-law tore it all down. In less than six months. And Vince McMahon. All because. The crowd reaction that. 
was given between Baszler and and Sane wasn't good enough for Vince. It all comes back to Vince somehow. Somehow, some way, it all comes back to Vince. I this all this is all on Vince's shoulders. You can try to argue with me all you want. Eh? I'm just gonna just ignore you and just not give a shit. Go back to my headphones and go about my fucking day. But there's no argument to be made of how Shayna Baszler got fucked over royally three times. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Money in the Bank. It's over for Shayna Baszler. It's over for her. There's nothing that can be undone. You can't turn back the hands of time. If we could, I would have had Shayna Baszler win uh, Royal Rumble the right way. Unfortunately, that's not the case. She's done. You know it, and I know it. But deep down inside, some and some of you may think deep down inside, no, there's no way Baszler's done. She's done. It's over for her. And Vince McMahon, I think, wanted it that way. All because of no crowd reaction for Baszler versus Sane. And it's unfortunate. Because Baszler deserves so much more than what she's been given right now. And I know right now, Baszler is pissed. She won't be able to say it out loud. She can't air her grievances. She'll just get dropped further down the card. But Baszler's done. The, the, the Shayna Baszler experiment in the main roster, it's over. And I think this is what McMahon wanted all along. And it's unfortunate. The... Again, I'm not even going to need the laptop for the rest of this because pretty much I'm just going to talk about the first half of the show. The first half of the show was boring as fuck. Albeit the fatal four-way tag team title match was okay. Looking back on it, you know, initially I said this was a good match. You know, Forgotten Sons had a decent performance. Lucha House Party was all right. Miz and Morrison, it was all right. But if I knew the New Day was going to win regardless. Here's here's why I now, you know, having a sleep on it, taking a little nice nap nap, had my juice box, little OJ, no vodka, unfortunately. And looking at the situation you have at hand with the SmackDown Tag Team Division, you have... No one left. The New Day have now beaten the Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party, and the Miz and Morrison all at once. Now, maybe the Forgotten Sons become the new tag team champions in SmackDown? I don't know. Now, given the fact that Otis is now this pretty much the certified number one contender until he cashes in, Heavy Machinery is pretty much out of the picture. Miz and Morrison, gone. Well, not really, but you get the idea. Lucha House Party, afterthought. Forgotten Sons, they're maybe going to win the Tag Team Championship eventually. I don't know. At this point, I wouldn't even care. As much as I am a fan of the the, the Triumvirate and would love to see Jackson Riker actually start wrestling in uh, WWE because I think he would be a great mid-card guy um, that could put on some bangers with a Nakamura, a Cesaro, a Sheamus, a uh, Jeff Hardy. I would love to see that. They haven't utilized him like that. In NXT, Riker had a couple good matches. Albeit squashes, 
But I would have thought they would have been able to use Riker to their advantage. Not in like a tag team situation, but being that crazed motherfucker. Because you had Cutler and Blake as a tag team, but you could have utilized Riker as a, as a solid mid-card guy. Not main event material as of yet. But you easily you easily could have utilized him and put inserted him right into the mid card champion into the uh, Intercontinental Championship race. Now, what's also bad is that Sami Zayn is not showing up to SmackDown tapings, given the fact that he has they of course all WWE talent have the choice to not show up. Problem is he holds the Intercontinental Championship, and that's a big problem. And from what I've been reading, Vince McMahon's kind of feeling some type of way about it now as well. I mean, you're my Intercontinental Champion, and you're choosing not to show up. Here's what here's what I would do in that as in that sense. If Sami Zayn does not show up within 30 days, put it this way: if Sami's Vince McMahon comes out, mic in hand, Sammy, I know you're not here tonight, but you hold a championship that we as a company made prestigious, the Intercontinental Championship. You chose not to show up. I can't have that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to do, Sammy. Now, this is all kayfabe, so run with me on this. Either you show up at Backlash and defend the Intercontinental Championship against the person of my choosing, Fatal four-way triple threat. You can figure it out from there. Pick insert three or four in this matchup. Or you not showing up you are basically telling me that you are deemed, you want, you are now going to be stripped of your Intercontinental Championship. That title you hold is nothing more now than a paperweight. And mean that shit. Don't say you're fired. Because I think Sami Zayn can still go on SmackDown. But that championship you hold, it's going to be nothing more than a paperweight. And I'm going to start a new tournament, starting at Backlash, to determine a new Intercontinental Champion. This, This is, I thought about this today at work. Shows shows how awesome I am, I guess. Pat myself on the back for that one. Nakamura and Tesaro come out, try to clamor to Vince McMahon, saying, wait, 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 we can't have that. That makes no sense. Why? I mean, and, and bring and bring that reality into it. With all of this going, all of this pandemic going on, Vince, Vince, can I call you Vince, Vince? Mr. McMahon, it would only be, it would be unfair for Sammy not to be able to defend the championship at Backlash. It would be unfair for you to strip a man of a championship when he chooses not, to, when he doesn't want to be here because he wants to keep himself safe. Now, albeit now he's from Canada, I believe, I believe he is on lockdown. So uh, I'm not sure if he's living in the United States or anything like that, but I know he is in Canada and Canada is on lockdown. Kyle O'Reilly, my dude, we do miss you. Um, Sammy Zane, we do miss you as well if you are in Canada, my dude. But it would be honestly unfair for you to strip 
him of the championship if he's not able to show up. So Vince McMahon then, in his infinite wisdom, would insert Nakamura and Cesaro into the tournament as the first two participants. Now, not not to face each other, but I'm putting you two in the tournament as well. But don't worry about facing each other. Yet. You have an eight-man tournament starting at Backlash to determine, I guess, what you would call an interim Intercontinental Champion, much like you would with, not like in the sense of the Intercontinental Cruiserweight Championship Tournament, but having a, we're going to have a, we're going to have a new Intercontinental Championship Tournament. We're going to crown a new Intercontinental Champion, and that will lead up all the way, I guess, let me see, Backlash is on the 14th, I believe. Somewhere in the middle of June, and that and that championship tournament will culminate at July's pay per view. Whatever the fuck, actually, let me see what the hell this pay per view is going to be. If I can find WWE pay per view schedule for 2020, there we go. So we would have, so we have Money in the Bank, we which we just passed. And we still don't know the name of the pay-per-view. Now, uh, Extreme Rules would be the next pay-per-view. The winner, the final, would be at on July 19th at WWE Extreme Rules, in which the the, tag, the championship match would be contested under Extreme Rules. Um, with a, Of course, I guess you can call it a TLC ladder match. I don't know, but it would be considered a ladder match. Or some some way where you have to climb the ladder. I guess at that point we'd be tired. So I would say in an extreme rules match. To determine the new Intercontinental Champion. And you know who I would have in the final? Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Now, given the fact that Cesaro lost uh, last night, eh, kind of hurts his stock a little bit. But like I said, he had a really good match with Jeff Hardy. So that would give him enough, that would give him enough to actually put him in said tournament. I don't know who I would actually put else put in the tournament. Maybe a maybe a Jackson Riker you could utilize in that case. But the the final would be Nakamura Cesaro. Who I would who I would have win? You could play around with that all you want. Either way, that how that's how I would book that case. That that and that's how you book on the fly, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you book it, bitches. Um Going back to the first half of last of uh, last night's Money in the Bank pay per view, quickly. Um, the tag, I mean, like I said, the tag team championship, decent match, predictable, predictable victory for the New Day. Yay, our truth MVP. Why was that going to be on the card when you could have just had that on the kickoff show, which then turned into Bobby Lashley versus our truth. Yawn. Didn't care, had no reason to actually appreciate it. And then we get to Bailey versus Tamina. Oh God. Tamina's just no. I mean, in in her effort, I guess you could say it was a thumbs up on her effort. But the only reason I liked the match itself was Sasha Banks and that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I am just a man. I am merely just a man, y'all. Woo! Mm. Bless me that booty. <laughs> I'm going to have... Um, but there was nothing about the Billy to Mina match that just it just didn't do it for me like well, like most of the women's division on on the main roster it don't do it for me dog it don't do it for me it just doesn't i mean like i said the only division i fucks with in wwe is the nxt women's division and i of course i've explained my reasons chapter and verse a multitude of times which you can find on old episodes of the podcast which you can find probably on episode 202 episode 201 not episode 200 um, but going back into my archives as of me party being part of the war familia and in, in, you know, in furthering my endeavor into the war realm, I've said this chapter and verse NXT is the best women's division in all of professional wrestling today. Reasons already already been discussed multiple times, chapter and verse SmackDown women's division is just atrocious. The raw women's division is just a freaking dumpster fire. And all I really want is just Bailey and Sasha. There is nothing else that needs to be had than Bailey and Sasha, which is why I picked Sasha Banks to win Money in the Bank to create that tension between Bailey and Sasha. Now, for Bailey, it would just be a false sense, a false sense of security in her mind because now no one's going to touch me. You know, we have. Money in the we have money in the bank and the SmackDown Women's Championship. Nothing could go wrong with that, right? Wrong. But it would lead to it would have led to a SummerSlam matchup or a SummerSlam victory for Sasha cashing in on Bailey. With Bailey barely getting by or whoever opponent they decided to throw in that week, Sasha cashes. Sasha knocks her out with the briefcase, cashes in on Bailey. Makes Bailey tap SmackDown new SmackDown Women's Champion. That's all you kind of needed to for the for the feud to foster. Now, Helena Cell wouldn't do it justice because too soon. But that feud should have culminated. That was that could have been one of the feuds that culminated at WrestleMania this year with Bailey and Sasha. That should have been the one of the matches, the marquee matchups for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36. But makers can't be choosers, and that's why we can't have nice things because, well, WWE is retarded. But the Bailey Tamina title match was just a boor- probably the worst match of the night. Hands down. It was boring. I hated it. I didn't like any bit of it. Like I said, the only reason I liked the match was because of Sasha Banks and her outfit. And that's all you really need to know. The match sucked. The match was dreadful. It's unfortunate because I know if you had just merged the two divisions together, you could have created so much better um, feuds, content, you know, have the ability to actually have a little bit of fun with it. And they don't. So I don't know what's going to happen for Bailey and Sasha going forward. I know hopefully... It will lead to their eventual matchup for the SmackDown Women's Championship because they are really going to have no one left in the division for her, for Bailey to face. And Sasha's pretty much the only probable contender that you really have in the women's division right now. It's sad 
but it's unfortunately true and facts are facts the first half of the show of the main card was just dreadful and that's what kind of lowers the grade overall for the show it's unfortunate but it has to be discussed and it has to be said it's unfortunate that the first half of the of the show the main card was shit it really was and we have to keep that in mind going forward for the remainder of 2020 is that you know we don't know what's going to happen with the SmackDown, the Smackdown Women's Championship. We don't know who's going to who the title who will Bailey drop the title to. I personally hope it's Sasha because she's the only one left honestly that is credible enough to take the title from Bailey. But how will we get there now? What is the best case scenario? Because now Asuka is Ms. Money in the Bank. How do we get to Bailey versus Sasha now? It's unfortunate, but again, it's the facts. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude the bad that was WWE Money in the Bank. Like I said, there was no ugly, so we will easily get right into the awards portion of the program where I will discuss my top three matches of the night, my worst match of the night, my Money in the Bank MVP, as well as the final grade I will give to put a nice little bow on the present that was WWE Money in the Bank. We'll be right back. Before we get into the... Award show portion of the program in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly that was WWE Money in the Bank, and we're putting a nice little bow on the present that I will be handing to you. We have some major, major news. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, this news will already be a big fucking deal. And you may have already heard this announcement. Now, my buddy Russell, and shout out to my dude Russell, um, actually put this in our group chat that we have at work. And this actually may send some shockwaves throughout the entirety of Raw tonight. Now, we did we did know Becky Lynch was scheduled to confront the winner of the Money in the Bank, Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, that should have really popped off in my mind, and now I'm actually regretting my decision in picking Sasha Banks to win, is that a Raw superstar would win the Money in the Bank, that being Oscar, who I believe, if I'm right, is still a raw performer. Um, I know what the spoiler is, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I do have some news from Pro Wrestling Sheet. Dot com. Becky Lynch to make major announcement on Raw. Now, if I'm right, I don't think they have the actual... Yeah, they don't. They have the actual spoiler in there. Like I said, I know what it is. Supposedly. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But from what my buddy told me, this may send a bit of shockwave throughout WWE's Raw Women's 
the division. But let's get into it. For ProWrestlingSheet.com, from Ryan Satin. ProWrestlingSheet has learned Becky Lynch will be making a huge announcement regarding her career tonight on Raw. While it's unclear what her exact announcement will be, we're told the segment has been already been filmed at the Performance Center during today's tapings. So far, WWE has promoted that Becky will be on Raw tonight to confront the winner of last night's Money in the Bank match in Asuka. Nothing more. So far, Becky's last match took place at WrestleMania in April against Shayna Baszler. Her current reign as Raw Women's Champion has lasted almost 400 days. Stay tuned for tonight's announcement. Now they do have an update, pretty much saying the same thing. WWE is now confirmed Becky will be making a big announcement tonight. So that's all we know right now. Now, like I said, I believe I know what it is. And if that's if it is what I think it is, then it furthers my it furthers my belief that Shayna Baszler should have been the one to defeat Becky Lynch at Wrestlemania for the Raw Women's Championship and again now like I said I'm looking at the spoiler right now because I don't watch Raw so it, it really doesn't matter to me but it does matter to you so I will not spoil any damn thing so it doesn't really matter like I said, it doesn't really matter to me um, I'm not going to tell you where to find it I'm not going to be that person again I usually don't do spoilers I do not do spoilers it's not my thing but like again, it's Raw. Y'all know I don't watch Raw because I believe in my heart of hearts, Raw is still trash, breaking viewership records and not in a good way. But that is some really, really, really It's a really big deal. It's a really, really, really big deal. Um if that and if it is what I think it is, then um this will change the Raw Women's Division as we know it. Um, as far as we know, um, like I said, um, three different sources that confirmed this. I'm not going to tell you which site because no need to. But um, again, of course, they taped it earlier today. Three different sources have confirmed whatever the spoiler may be. And of course, um, this particular uh, source has been told off the record. Um Lynch will be making an announcement, but was asked to respect her privacy until she makes it public. Um, so we won't, I'm not going to say what it is. Y'all can speculate on your own, but this is going to send shockwaves throughout Raw's women's division. And it's a big fucking deal because now, like I, like I said, this will further cement my argument that Baszler should have been the one to defeat Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 36. And I'm going to say nothing more about it, but that's the news. That's the breaking news that is going on right now. Becky Lynch with a huge announcement tonight for Monday Night Raw. We'll see what happens. Um. Anyway, now that we got that out of the way, uh, I wasn't not, I was like I, said, I was not expecting this breaking news. 
Um, again, if you want to go find it on your own, do you boo boo? Uh, if you want to, if you're listening to this episode, you can go find your own. I'm sure by the time you even talk, uh, listen to this episode, um, you may have figured it out yourself. So don't say nothing, leave it to yourself. But let's get into our awards portion of the program. Yes, of course, this talking about the top, my top three matches of the night, my, of course, giving you my match of the night in that top three. The award for worst match of the night, which will be pretty obvious if you listen to this um, up to this point. My MVP of WWE Money in the Bank. And then the most important award of all, which would be the final grade of Money in the Bank. And I will tell you right now, in terms of the grade, I believe it is solidified. And I will say that the McIntyre-Rollins match and the corporate ladder matches for Money in the Bank did save this for being a lower letter grade than it would have been. and Or should I say the one that I'm going to be giving it. Let's get into the awards. Let's start off with the top three matches of the night. Starting off at number three, I'm going to give the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches as a tie. It's It was one match anyway, so we'll keep it as one match as such. Um, like I said, there was a lot of good spots in this matchup. Styles Bryan in the uh, in the break room, under the break room, in the boardroom with Vince McMahon. That spot was probably the highlight of the match itself. Um, Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black being thrown over the um, over the building. Kayfabe dead. Um, Asuka winning her first Money in the Bank briefcase. Otis winning it in surprisingly hilarious fashion. Uh, Styles, you fucked that one up, bro. You cost yourself a shot. Um, You know, Asuka taking Corbin off the ladder. Elias coming back last night to screw over Corbin one more time. Um, Brother Love. Doink was a weird one, but I laughed at that anyway because I was just laughing. Um, John Laurinaitis getting a pie in his face was quite hilarious. Um... You know, Dana Brooke thinking she had won money in the bank when Stephanie McMahon told her that is just the conference room. Um, and then she looked like an idiot. Carmella, mm-hmm. nom, nom, nom. Um, Corey Graves, you, my, my man. Um, you know, the, the food fight, a lot of them, it was hilarious in and of itself, but it came out and it did exactly what it needed to do. And Oscar and Otis are now Mr. and Ms. Money in the Bank. At number two, Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro. This match, like I said earlier in the show, really came off strong, fantastic matchup. I was thoroughly impressed by both men in this matchup. And there is nothing wrong with, you know, you know, just just enjoying a pre-show match. It's not every you know, pay-per-view that we get a solid um, pre-show match. And we had that in the form of Jeff Hardy and Cesaro, which I was thoroughly impressed by. Um, You know, you can't be mad at that. You know, you you can't, I, I cannot complain whatsoever about, you know, this matchup. I think Cesaro and Hardy have great chemistry I think they really, really did what they needed to do, and they picked the right guy in Cesaro. 
It, 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 it was just a, it was just a fantastic match. I was just very impressed, you know, that that they would they actually had put together a well thought out match. This was a very well thought out match from beginning to end. Jeff Hardy, of course, getting the victory, but Cesaro actually looked strong in defeat. Um, that was just really cool to just really see that. And like I said, I wish this could have been a title feud. Uh, a couple of years ago, because it really would have been impressive to see where where Cesaro and Jeff Hardy could have taken it if they were able to have a title feud against each other, either whether it be for the IC or the United States Championship. It would have just been really nice to see. Which brings us to the easy, predictable number one. Y'all already know what it is, but I get to say it again. Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. This was the clear-cut, undoubtedly number one of the night it was just this was the kind of match that i needed to see out of drew mcintyre and seth rollins and they absolutely exceeded my expectations they nailed it from beginning to end a wonderful hard-fought matchup over the wwe championship making that title feel important for once um and even with the shaking uh, the hand shaking at the end that was very 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 impressive that a Drew extended the hand, and B, Seth actually shook the hand of Drew McIntyre. That was a very, very unheel-like thing to do um, for one Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah himself. Um, everything in between that, from beginning to end, it was just very, 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 very well done. Very well orchestrated, very hard fought. Had some strong style in there. That superplex to Falcon Arrow is always money. Especially when you got to let the 265-pound men to hit that Falcon Arrow. That was fucking money. Um, They really showed up and showed out for me. And I kind of figured... I, it, I, it, and I usually always have a dark horse match of the night um, for these pay-per-views. I didn't have one this time around because it's a six-match card. And... You can kind of get away with it, but with a six-match card, you get become very limited in what you want to have as a dark horse. Um, not many of, honestly, the, out of the six matches, like I said, um, and I didn't even talk about Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt that much because that match was really fucking boring. Um, I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. The ending of the match was the best part of the matchup, which is why I'd even consider it to be even worth talking about um, in this match. It was a very boring match. It was one of those things where I was just like, nah, I'm... I'm just going to look at my phone and check out Twitter and see what everyone else is saying about the match. I was thoroughly bored with that, besides the ending. That was the best part of the match, period. But McIntyre-Rollins really, really made me happy. It made me smile. It made me just feel good. It gave me all the butterflies that I like in terms of a championship matchup. Um, they did well. They did exactly what I, they want, I wanted them to do, and then ex and then up to the level, and then went another gear after that that was it's my kind of championship match a match that is worthy of vying for the wwe championship well done boys you guys get match of the night honors congratulations drew and seth moving over to worst match of the night and i think this one is pretty goddamn obvious um you know what i'm gonna go with a tie because one match didn't even deserve to be on the main card. And one match was boring as shit. And the only reason I liked it was because y'all already know what I'm about to say. So it's been a while since I think I've given, if, if ever, I have given a tie for worst match of the night. But I couldn't leave both out. So if it's the first time ever for um, a tie for match of the night, 
worst match of the night actually um, is the case, well, then here we go. Worst match of the night, worst matches of the night, I should say, honors go to, unfortunately, Bobby Lashley versus R-Truth and Bailey versus Tamina. They both sucked. It was trash. It was un- it was just it was just something I didn't want to see, something I didn't need to see from both matches. R Truth and MVP was supposed to be the actual matchup. Didn't deserve to be on the main card at all. It was just used as filler to piss me off. Um, but then again, you need a bathroom break match, and this was pretty much it. In terms of the Bailey Tamina match, I was bored. I was bored. And the only reason, like I said, I like this match. It's because of Sasha Banks and what homegirl was wearing to the ring in that red one-piece bless. Um, might as well have just worn the heels, too, while you at it. Just, yeah, yeet. <clears throat> yes, we, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, Bailey and Tamina sucked. It was not. It was a SmackDown Championship match I would have rather seen on SmackDown. And even then, I would have tweeted this match sucked, other than the fact that Sasha Banks was looking all kinds of good. Again, I am just a man. I am merely just a man. So, no congratulations are in order for R-Truth, Bobby Lashley, Bailey, and Tamina. You guys are worst matches of the night. I hope you accept your award and your prize is nothing more than decaf coffee. Congratulations. Hope it was worth it. We now go to one of my favorite awards I like to hand out. The Money in the Bank MVP, or, well, for that matter, um, I always hand out an MVP. Uh, for those of you who are new to the YLP podcast, um, I always hand out an MVP award to the person or persons, if that's actually, or, or people, I, I don't, fuck, uh, person or people, will go with trying to be grammatically correct as much as possible, um, to the one or multiple people that I felt really put forth their best effort to at least shine through more than the others um you know it's it's my you know it's my favorite award to hand out because i've really given it to some interesting names names surprisingly i cannot remember at this point which kind of sucks um i believe i actually um my the re- the only one i can think of right now which honestly i regret giving it to because it should have been a co-mvp for uh survivor series weekend i gave it to rhea ripley but i also should have given it to keith lee um that is my one regret uh, in terms of mvp awards that should have been a co-mvp because both of them really stood out to me as the top performers of that particular weekend um but i did give rhea ripley the award i think she had the better performance of the weekend um but i should have honestly given keith lee that co-mvp status to go with that because they both really showed up and showed up for nxt during the weekend um especially with lee and reigns towards the end of that men's survivor series five on five on five matchup but the MVP of Money in the Bank. I wish I had some drum rolls, but I'm, I'm really not in the mood to actually do drum rolls right now. And I molded over throughout the entirety of, like, when I record the shows, I molded over throughout the entirety of the recording. Um, I know I'm stalling. Deal with it. But it's kind of how I, I kind of had a few people in mind. But, of course, one person did stand out to me that uh, that stood above the rest. And my award, the MVP 
of WWE Money in the Bank goes to none other than our WWE Champion, Drew McIntyre. I know, I know, I know. You could have picked Asuka. You could have picked um, Sasha Banks for the outfit. Stop it. All right. We get it. She fine. Um, you could have picked, you could have picked, you know, somebody from the money in the bank uh, ladder match. You could have picked Styles, could have picked Brian. But I think in terms of performance, I think Drew McIntyre really had the best performance of the night. He and Seth Rollins tore down the building. I guess you can still actually say that in a sense. Um, they had they had the best match of the night, and Drew's performance, I think, was damn good. In his first title defense as WWE champion, he really stepped up to the plate and really did exactly what he needed to do, was not only beat Seth Rollins, but defend his WWE championship and ensure that this was not just a fluke and a flash in the pan type of stuff. So, Drew McIntyre, congratulations, sir. Not only do you have match of the night honors, but you are my... You are the YLP MVP for Money in the Bank 2020. Congratulations, sir. And we will make sure we send that to you in the mail with a paw print from Marley. Because trust me when I tell you, her paw print as an autograph is more prestigious than my signature. Which leads us to the final grade. The most important of all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, like I said earlier in the segment. The main event, I guess you can call it, um, they saved this show. Jeff Hardy's are, of course, uh, top three matches of the of the card. They saved this show from being what I would have considered to be a absolute disaster of a show. Had the Money in the Bank match actually missed. Luckily for them, they had pre-taped this, I believe, like a week or so prior to Money in the Bank. Um, And it definitely saved their ass. It really saved their ass for sure. Um, The Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins match saved it. Jeff Hardy and Cesaro saved it. What was going to possibly be a D pay-per-view saved their ass it was going to be a straight up d i was going to give it somewhere in the range of a d plus d my d d plus d show i was right on the realm of that um i was like okay jeff sorry cesaro great first half of the main card trash and it was literally teetering towards d ter- d plus territory luckily for the drew mcintyre seth rollins match jumped it up and then the main event what you consider the main event jumped it up. So, with that being said, my final grade for this year's Money in the Bank, I'm going to go with a C. Again, like I said in the beginning of the show, this was your average run of the mill B level pay per view. Nothing more, nothing less. Had its, excuse me, had its moments. Towards the end of the show, towards the second half of the show, it did what exactly what it needed to do to save the show. If if it, if the Drew McIntyre Seth Rollins match or the Money in the Bank ladder match failed to meet expectations for me in terms of a pay per view, 
This easily could have been a D plus show without question. And it would be one of my lowest grades that I have ever given a pay-per-view. Luckily, McIntyre Rollins showed up and showed out. And in the main and then the money in the bank ladder matches had its hilarious moments, did exactly what it needed to do. And then we had um and then we got Asuka and Otis as Mr. and Ms. Money in the Bank. So I think it's okay to go with a C for this pay-per-view. Trust me, money, trust me, WWE, you got lucky. This could have easily been a D plus night for you. And I wouldn't have, I would have no reservations at all giving you that grade. But luckily you did show up in the second half. Um we you had we had you in the first half, not gonna lie. Second half, you did exactly what you needed to do with the um, McIntyre-Rollins and the Money in the Bank ladder matches. So a final grade of a C, I think, will suffice this time around. And we'll see what happens for them at WWE Backlash coming up in June. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for episode 203 of the YLP podcast. Talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly that was... WWE Money in the Bank. As always, we're going to conclude the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 204 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 203 of the YLP podcast. Talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was WWE Money in the Bank. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly appreciate it. A couple of things we want to get out of the way. Before we go on to the fun, more fun stuff of the of this segment, um, for those of y'all that don't know, now you have to know, um, we got a Patreon. Yes, we do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wrestle Added Radio, 17 cents a day. I know you got 17 cents in your pocket right now. I guarantee it. Check it. All right. I probably lied. It's all right. But I'm telling you, 17 cents a day. Equaling $5 a month will get you access to a Patreon group chat. Yes, we have a group chat. And it's very, very lively. Very, very nice. We try to keep it as wholesome as possible. Um, For the most part, we discuss wrestling, life things, um, all that good stuff. It's a very cool cool place to interact with uh, those who are already patrons. And, of course, you get to interact with not only myself, but you get to interact with all of the members of the WrestleAd Radio family. Of course, King Ricky Rose, the... They had been charged. The HBIC, Kate Murphy, my man Willie T, uh, Will Terry Shook. You get to you get to talk to Nate, the Great, and Mister Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast. And of course, who can I, how can I leave out the host of the Delight Show himself, Mench, Mance Chappelle? What a name! Um, you get to talk with all of us in the group chat. We always talk during um, uh, Raw. We, we just talked throughout the week. It's, it's a very good time, a very, very exclusive group, and we want you to be a part of that. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of, uh, you know, be able to talk to all members of the Russell Attic Radio family, including myself. I'm in there every once in a while um, talking with you guys, so it's really cool to hear, uh, really cool to see, and it's a very fun time. Also, uh, and it'll go into the next thing I want to talk about, you can get an exclusive discount 
with as a patron of the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Yes, you will get an exclusive discount. Um, if you join us, um, you of course we have the whole message in there as well. But you can only get that discount exclusively if you are a patron. You can't get the discount um, anywhere else. You can't. You can't do it. It's, it's impossible. You can try, but you can only get it if you are a patron and you are rocking with us. So that's something all also else you get into. And of course, and of course, the big thing, the biggest thing of them all, you get exclusive shows that you will not hear on the main Wrestle Addict Radio page. That's right. You will get to listen to shows like Love and War with Kate Murphy and King Ricky Rose. The Secret Files from yours truly, Mr. YLP. Um, you get to hear it. Fretz is uh Fade Five, which I, which is a fucking fantastic show, by the way. And he most recently did an episode talking about the, his top five uh, cash-ins uh, of all his fave, his fave five top five Money in the Bank cash-ins. Very, very good stuff right there. So you get all that content plus an exclusive discount. Plus you get to be part of a Patreon group chat. Seventeen cents a day, five dollars a month. I see nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Patreon.com/slash/WrestleAddedRadio. Always accepted, never expected. But if you do want to get more exclusive access to us, why not jo- think about joining today? And of course, that exclusive discount goes into the Teespring store. Yes, I have a Teespring store. Hey, 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 yes, I do. I have my own merch store. It is a beautiful thing. I did, I curated all myself, all the stuff for men, for women. For the kids, because you know, at the, here at the YLP Podcast, we loves the kids. And of course, my dog Marley does as well. And of course, this is your obligatory Marley moment of the show, letting you guys know to make sure you get your proper intake of water, you get your exercise daily, you get your proper amount of sleep, and always to make sure you eat your vegetables. That was her, it's in the contract. This is her new contract. She wanted to make sure y'all eat your vegetables. I don't, whatever. But yes, we do have a Teespring. I do have a Teespring store. Every member, I believe, for the most part, uh, actually does have a Teespring store. But if you want to go check out my join, I I curated it all myself for men, women, and kids, as well as accessories um, like a posters, die cut stickers, um, tapestries. Yeah, I, I got the tapestries, bro. I got all that um, for the fellas. Of course, y'all know I had to do it up big with the tank tops because y'all know it's about to be suns out, guns out season. Um, I got them in. I got. I got t-shirts uh i got hoodies i got um i got socks i'm a sock fiend so you know i had your boy mr ylp himself had to get the you gotta get your sock game proper and what better way to to rep me is if you get me and my logo on your feet i tried to get the, i tried to get slippers um I, that wasn't that was unfortunately not an option but definitely if we had house shoes uh the slipper game would be on point get you a ylp logo on the foot bang you know what I mean? But at least a pair of socks, a Mr. Uh, of course, with young uh, YLP socks would suffice in the um, in the interim. It's a beautiful thing. Either way, I can't go wrong with that whatsoever. But yeah, for the ladies, ladies, y'all know I got y'all too. Um, boyfriend tees. Uh, you can get the I got the uh, the pullover hoodies. You can get that as well. All day. I do. I got crew necks, crew neck, long sleeves. Y'all can rock that too, getting the size with Never mind, I'm not gonna go there. But also, ladies, y'all know I got y'all for y'all ladies that like that do like to get your workout game proper. Y'all know dang well I had to do it for y'all. I got young lions perspective leggings. Yes, you can rep YLP while you're at the gym or when you're out and about with you know, you know, just doing your thing on your walks. So if you go into the store, why not represent 
the Young Lions perspective proudly while wearing the YLP logo on your leg with the Wrestle Attic Radio on the backside. It's a beautiful thing. I curated that all myself. Like I said, I got y'all ladies for the summer as well to get that popping. And for the kids, y'all know I had to do it right with the, you know, the freaking t-shirts, toddler size, baby size. We got it. I got you. Men, women, kids, a little bit of accessories, get you a little tote bag. You know what I'm saying? A little something, something for y'all. So yeah, get your, get your summer right. Get it right. Get it tight. And go over to teespring.com slash the dash YLP dash collection. And while you're there getting yourself some YLP merch, why not check out the other stores as well? Again, Kings of the Rings has their own store. King Ricky Rose, Kate Murphy's got her own, the Game Changer podcast and Fretzelmania, as well as my boy Mintz. And also the original, the War Collection. You can check out all the merch there. Represent War this summer properly. And get yourself some dope merch today, y'all. Just want to put that out there. So, of course, if you have any thoughts, opinions, or if you just want to shoot the shit with yours truly, sound off. Let your voice be heard. Leave us a voice mention on anchor.fm slash Radio. If you're going to refer to me personally, put YLP at the, uh, the title as well with whatever topic you want to talk about. And if I do love it enough, I'll have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the YLP podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the Facebooks. Send in the DMs, send in the text messages, put it in your LinkedIn, put it in your Tinder profile. Y'all know how it is. I'm telling you, it'll work. It'll get you a date. I guarantee you, it'll get you a date. For real, for real. Um, <laughs> but spread the word. You know, I know y'all, most of y'all are home. And I know y'all listen, y'all are listening to podcasts and all that stuff. Why not send it out to a friend? It's like, hey, I listen to this guy, you know, Mr. YLP. I think he's really cool. I think he was right up your alley. Let me check out the episode, man. Let me know what you think. And if you like it, definitely rock with us. Because in these unprecedented times, we here at Wrestle Addict Radio, and of course the YLP universe as well, want to want to provide you the best quality content possible. And when you bring together the YLP universe and War Nation, not only are we the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. But we are undoubtedly the alternative for professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, I most know most of y'all. Almost fucked that up, actually. Yeah, most of y'all. I know y'all don't have the anchor app, and that's perfectly fine with me. You're not hurting my feelings. I know everybody has their favorite streaming platforms in which they want to hear their podcasts from. But if you think we've just on the anchor app, my friend, and I'm gonna take a swig of water because I want you to kind of think about that. Think about what you just thought in your head. You were sadly mistaken. Not only are we on the Anchor app, which is the mothership of everything that is Wrestle Addict Radio, but we are can be found. Of course, the YLP podcast, the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and of course, the Delight Show with Man Chappelle, which is already out now with new episodes coming. And I can't wait to hear what he's going to talk about next. Lit shit. You can find all of our episodes across several different platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, Player FM. Apparently, we're on Podbean. We appreciate your uh, your uh, love and support from there. CastBox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, that good old Spotify fam. 
Search for the YLP Podcast, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Game Changer Podcast, and the Light Show with Man Chappelle across several different platforms. You should have no problem finding them whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, y'all know y'all can find me on the socials. I'm heavy on there. Y'all can find me over on Twitter at Suede Senator War. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W. Capital A, capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night. SmackDown Live every Friday, unless the show is pretty much bad and I'm not even going to bother at all. Every WWE Live pay-per-view like I did last night from WWE Money in the Bank. Every AEW Live pay-per-view like I will be doing for AEW Double or Nothing coming up next Saturday, which should be a really, really fun time for show. Um, every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special. And once we get back into the swing of things in Japan, across the world, in the East, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. And I hope and pray that they do not take Dominion away from me. Because Daddy loves Dominion, and that leads into the G1 Climax. And that's, un- well, G1 Climax actually doesn't go down into the fall. So hopefully we do get all of that, and we get back to the swing of things with New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you want to follow me over on my Instagram, which is where you can find the Teespring link immediately, click on that. goes right to my YLP collection where you can do your window shopping or you can think of ideas for someone's birthday or, you know, pick up something for your little kitties. You know, you want you want them to be you want to be little young lions, don't you? I'm a young lion. I think you want your you want the Kieran's to be young lions as well. And trust me when I tell you it is quality stuff, quality top notch stuff. Again, curated by me. You can find me over on Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective 60 second thought videos the memes updates on when i uh, when the shows drop when i'm gonna what i'm gonna be talking about in a particular show usually for news of the weekend this is a lot i'm gonna be discussing all that good stuff follow me on both of those platforms to stay updated with everything that's going on with the ylp podcast so now i'm gonna take a look at the judges they can go fuck off um, apparently I still hit all my, all my obligations and I appreciate you for that, Mr. Uh, Judge from Japan. Um, so tomorrow on episode 204 of the YLP podcast, of course, another installment of last week, this week, where I discuss last week and break down last week's episode of NXT, including the debut of one Karrion Cross, And I can say that I have at least seen the entrance for one Mr. Karrion Cross, and I have to say, it is, I will say this right now, and I will say it again on tomorrow's episode, that boy ain't lasting long on the NXT roster with an entrance like that, legendary entrance, my goodness, I'll be discussing everything from last week's episode, and then get you primed and ready as we preview Wednesday night's episode of NXT. We do it in proper YLP fashion as we always do. So that will be going down for episode 204. That'll be dropping tomorrow night. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy Raw. I don't know by the time, but probably by the time you watch this, Raw is probably on. Or maybe you're doing taking care and some things and you're listening to this episode of the podcast. And with that, I can appreciate your continued love and support. Enjoy the rest of your Monday night. And I'll see you guys right back here for episode 204 of the Y. L.P. Podcast. See you!